0: Welcome to the Everyday Ministry Podcast, where we're a podcast where ministers get together to discuss everyday ministry. This is James White, the pastor at Lighthouse Community Church, sitting here with Jamie, a church member at Lighthouse, and Daniel Brown, a youth pastor interim worship pastor at Calera Baptist Church in Calera, Alabama. And uh, I said that hesitantly because I thought I was going to get oh, something man. wrong in his title. Did great, awesome. How is everything going for you guys this week?
1: Things are going really good over here, man. Things are great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. We're we're uh driving a school bus. Got that all settled in and starting to pick up some different bus routes. I'm substituting right now for bus drivers. So every time I get an opportunity to do that, I'm taking a different bus route, a whole different group of kids every time, different schools. Uh, different age groups. So that's a blast. You never know what what it's going to be like each day that you drive, but that's going really good. So that's kind of picking up for me and I'm excited about that. Church-wise, man, things are going really good. We're just getting ready for 2019 and our pastor is really going to be leading us in a very specific and, and uh, laser-focused direction for the next year. Very intentionally focused on discipleship and and outreach, uh, evangelism. So we're excited about that, really pumped uh, to, to kind of jump into that and get that ball rolling, which we're already rolling, but to really get it cranking up. So anyway, besides that, man, just, just uh, continuing to get ready for baby number two to come in and get ready for Christmas.
2: Awesome, man. Uh, this is Jamie, by the way, for the listeners out there. Uh, Everything's going well on my end, pretty standard from the last time we had an episode of just everything's going according to plan. We're kind of barreling ahead towards Christmas, getting ready for that. Um, Of course, busy season, as I'm sure it is for most people. But yeah, everything's going well on our end. Uh, How about you, James? You haven't told us.
0: Well, first off, I'd like to say, Daniel, driving a bus would have to be terrible in some ways. (laughs) it just it just seems like it wouldn't be any fun uh
1: it's really not bad considering that i mean if you do a morning and an afternoon route like as a substitute driver sometimes i only drive one of the two i don't i may not drive both um but if you do uh, a morning and an afternoon route you get to know the kids a little bit even if it's just for one day because they saw you that morning um so it's it's not terrible. It really isn't. There's been a couple times where I've had to, you know, snap on the kid. But really and truly, as soon as they know mean business, they'll they don't act terrible. They just their kids, man. Especially in the afternoon, they just got out of school. They're ready to get home. I'd have been doing the same thing.
0: I don't know how it is at your school. It might be different than like, but at Gordo where we where I grew up. You know, it's K through twelve right there beside each other. Mm-hmm. So you have K through twelve on your bus route, yeah. and so you're dealing with people that can barely read to people that are jerks. I mean, yeah. So you're yeah. just dealing well, here, with all age groups
1: here in Calera. We do have it's a larger area. This the high school just went up to six A this last year, so it's a larger and it's a growing area. So we do have four different schools that split up K through twelve. You have the Elementary, then you have intermediate, then you have middle school, and then you have high school. So those are four different schools that I could be driving for at any given time. Yeah, and they're pretty. The good thing is, is they're pretty concentrated age groups because it's broken up like that. So that can be a good and a bad thing. I have yet to drive for the middle school. I hear the middle school's terrible. That's what everybody keeps mm-hmm. telling me. I'm just keeping an open mind because middle schoolers just kind of, you know, who I work with a lot in youth ministry, and so. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, trying to keep an open mind about that, and hopefully, hopefully that'll that'll open some doors for ministry opportunities as well. It's one of the main reasons I wanted to get into bus driving, just because of the opportunities that it gives me to be on campus at schools and to interact with with kids. So, with that, right. and it, and then it doesn't take all of your day away, too. Right now, I mean, it's roughly anywhere from I'd say two and a half to three and a half, maybe four hours, depending on the length of the route. In in a whole day, it might be three hours average. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Well, yeah, everything is going well on my end. Just really getting ready to have some family in for a little while. I have one brother that may be staying for several weeks, and one that may be staying a week. I really don't know the details, but we got two brothers coming in, going to stay with me for a while. So excited about that! Um, excited about Christmas time coming up. You know, we do a candlelight slash communion service at the church, and. Excited about being able to do that once again this year and just celebrating the birth of Christ together as a family, as a church family specifically. Then also uh, started really an initiative, I guess you could call it, to start back reaching into our community by way of the first responders in the Vernon community and uh, really want to focus on that this next year. So really excited about doing that this year and found out that we really have about 150 first responders. So I can't—I don't know the exact number yet, but about 150 in all. So a big group of people to be able to reach out in our small community. So excited about what, what that means for our church this coming up here, and excited about Christmas time. But this evening, the conversation we're going to be looking at is the Baptist Faith and Message once again, as we've been covering on our third Monday episodes. And this week's uh, topic is, man which is article three article three which is on man and really going to be looking at what the baptist faith and message says about that and so to kick off the conversation jamie's going to read the statement as a whole and then we'll jump into uh sentence by sentence all
2: right well the statement says this man is the special creation of god made in his own image he created them male and female as the crowning work of his creation the gift of gender is thus part of the goodness of god's creation. In the beginning, man was innocent of sin and was endowed by his creator with freedom of choice. By his free choice, man sinned against God and brought sin into the human race. Through the temptation of Satan, man transgressed the command of God and fell from his original innocence, whereby his posterity inherited a nature and an environment inclined towards sin. Therefore, as soon as they are able of moral action, they become transgressors and are under condemnation. Only the grace of God can bring man into his holy fellowship and enable man to fulfill the creative purpose of God. The sacredness of human personality is evident in that God created man in his own image and in that Christ died for man. Therefore, every person of every race possesses full dignity and is worthy of respect and Christian love.
0: It's really really not a long statement, but really a dense one at that. Mm-hmm. um and I really would say that the last sentence sums up the whole statement but I want to walk through it before we get to that and really begin by looking at the first two sentences I think we'll throw these two together where it says man is the special creation of God made in his own image he created in male and female um, as the crowning work of his creation the gift of gender is thus part of the goodness of of God's creation?
1: Well, uh, of course, you know, that word gender is a a very heavy and hot topic in our culture and society today. So, if, of course, we could probably take up this entire episode and many more uh, just on the discussion and topic of gender. But I do think that that is a super valuable and key term, state, a sentence right there for us to to consider and, and to really let that truth sink in there. Because we are seeing right then and there the clear delineation uh, between what the world says about gender and what scriptures teaches us about gender. Just simply that gender, A, it's a gift, but B, it was part of God's plan from the beginning. It was never something that we created. It wasn't something that we just decided on our own. This is what we're going to do or how we're going to do it. This is part of God's creation as human beings, he made us this way specifically according to his plan. Uh, And so that just helps us to understand what type of worldview we're supposed to be having as followers of God, that this whole idea of of gender has got to be one that we base on the truth of Scripture.
2: Yeah, and I think it's amazing to kind of think about the foresight of the the men that uh, put this together, the people that put this together, in that, uh, of course, it was 18 years ago and I'm sure that a lot of this was laid even well before that in, in previous mm-hmm. editions of the Baptist Faith and Message to uh, give this emphasis of the gift of gender that is not a result of the fall, that, that, that man and, and woman are both equally uh, full of dignity before God. And, and he created us different with different roles for a very uh, God-glorifying reason. And of course, we see now that this is very important in our culture now. But just to kind of see how the creators of this statement had the foresight to understand that this this difference of understanding in gender that God created would lead to, um, I guess, kind of a a degradation of the view of of. God's creation.
0: I agree. I think y'all have done well on that idea of gender. And I think it's very important that we do note that, that there is a separation there in, in the society we live in. It is saying that gender is a choice and we all know that in reality it's not because this is the way that God has formed man and woman even before, as Jamie just said, before sin even entered the world. It wasn't like sin brought this new identity, but this is the identity from the beginning. So much so that we see this in Genesis 1:26 through 27, right? It's this idea that God's creating man in his image and then male and female. He created them, right? It's that he's creating both male and female in his image. But I think it's important that we note that idea that man is created in his image, that man is different than that of any other animal or beast that walks on the earth. And is that, that God has separated man to be his image bearer? And I think that's why the next part that we're going to look at in this statement on man is such a horrific truth is that because man is the image of God, but because of sin, it has marred that image and made that image uh, something that it should not be. And that the only way that we can reflect the image of God is by the redemption that it is found in Christ. I think it's important to note also that it is the image of god that we bear and that is what separates humanity from any other creatures or beings on this earth
1: yeah so we continue on uh with uh, the statement that in the beginning man was innocent of sin and was endowed by his creator with freedom of choice by his free choice man sinned against god and brought sin into the human race you know this is a this is a difficult part to to wrap our heads around and and I would venture to say that this might even be kind of a controversial point within this statement of man. However, I would say from from my position that what's most important to bring out of this is simply the fact that man was innocent of sin at one point and there was a moment that we see in scripture where Man and woman decided that they were going to go a different way, that they were going to take a different path, that they were going to disobey God's command. Um, this is the beginning of the story of the gospel. Mm-hmm. This is the start of it, where a man was a where a man was innocent and living in perfect harmony with God. And then a moment happened, something happened where man decided. I think I want to see what life might be like outside of God's perfect will. And I, I, I don't believe that Adam and Eve really stopped to think about the consequences of that. Uh, but what we know from that uh, is that there was a moment where man decided to part ways from God in, in that choice.
0: So one thing that I love about this statement, uh, specifically this sentence, is the way it's worded, it introduces this idea of man's free choice. Now, this is, as Daniel said, it's kind of controversial, especially in the SBC world right now, right? It's this this controversy of does man have free will? Does he not? Does God elect? Does does God leave it up to man's free choice to save? Um, And what I love about the Baptist Faith and Message, and some people hate this about it, is that it does leave for some interpretation that Mm -hmm. allows people to believe differently. And this is one of those statements that does because what we can agree on um, is that in the the perfectness of humanity at this point in human history, Adam and Eve had the free choice to choose either to sin or to not. Um, now, I, my stance would be that that is different now because sin has entered into the world. Um, but what we see is that in this moment in human history, that man could freely choose to sin or to not to sin. And I think that's an historical view for that of the Reformed faith or for the non Reformed in Baptist history. And so I, I love this statement because it's true either one way or, the, or either way you look at it. And so.
2: Yeah. And um, pre fall humanity, it's one of the more difficult understandings of how man's will and how God's sovereignty interact. I've heard a theologian say, I can't remember who it was exactly, that it's much easier to understand the uh, interactions of God's sovereignty and man's will post-fall, but pre-fall is very difficult. And There's been theologians that have uh, came up with all kinds of different theories and understandings of, of what happened, what exactly happened, and how it happened in the garden. And it's very difficult because we we know that God's sovereign. God, this didn't surprise God when it happened, but at the same time, God's not responsible for man falling. That was man's choice, and it's a very difficult uh, thing to understand. Mm-hmm. Very, very difficult. Yeah. So, well, we can't yeah. be very dogmatic about it. Well, we definitely see in First Peter and
0: then Ephesians and a few yeah. other places where it says that before the foundation of the world that Christ was the predestined plan of God to redeem those that would believe in him. So even before God said, let there be or took informed man from the dust that he knew man would sin. Yeah. Yeah, So, but what we see in this and not only in this, but in scripture is that man still freely chose to sin. Exactly. But I don't think it's much different (laughs) as we're about to go into it. I don't think it's much different than in our world today, even though sin has been imputed into the world. And that, I, that we were born into sinful nature as David says in my mother's womb I was born into iniquity mm-hmm. that not that his mother had him in sin but that the world is sinful and that even in his womb he was sinful mm-hmm. and so we see that this imputed sin has made all of us sinful but even though we're all sinful we've still freely choose to sin yeah. and so I, and though it's different because then we can't wrap our mind around it because we don't know a perfect world.
2: Well, you know, and I know many people use this term probably way more than they should, but there is a bit of a mystery in understanding the fall of man, understanding the interaction of God's sovereignty and man's will. Uh, And I I think we can rightly say there's mystery in understanding it. Uh, And of
1: course that is overused, but I think it applies here. I think it's, uh, well, I mean, whether it's overused or not, when it's the proper term, it's the proper term. (laughs) And that's exactly what this is. I mean, the reality is, is, is yet again, here's another point in this, in this confession of man, what we believe the truth, biblical truth is about man that we could, we could run in circles with this for a long time going down different, different rabbit trails, trying to figure out, trying to explain um, the, 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 you know, the foundational truth of this of this statement. But the reality is, is that like we've just said, A, it is a mystery. God does not intend for us to believe, or to or rather to understand all of it. He does intend for us to believe it, but not to understand it all. Um, and the other thing that God intends for us to see is that in the midst of that apparent chaos, it looks like chaos. When you're reading it in scripture, when you're seeing, it looks like there's just this huge moment of of Literal chaos. But in the midst of that, God, like you've already said, James, God knew that this was going to happen. He knew that this was going to take place. And therefore, in the midst of chaos, you have God who's fully in control still. And it's in that apparent, that that look of chaos that we see a God who's in control that I believe would cause us to turn and, to turn and trust in Him. Going, okay, this is this is insane right now. Life is going crazy. Everything's falling apart. You know, it looked like the foundation of what God had done was was cracking when that happened. And yet, God doesn't freak out. He doesn't. He doesn't panic. Instead, He provides cover for mm-hmm. them, and He sacrifices an animal for them. And so, in all of that, God is is working systematically, just like He always does.
0: You know, and as we, you know, the purpose of our podcast isn't to just walk through this faith, as well as the spiritual disciplines walking through, but we want to make these connections to our ministries. If it be you're a church member, a pastor, youth pastor, whatever the case may be, however you're serving God, and I think I think you touch on it there, Daniel, but I think to take it a step farther is that in this sovereignty of God, that even in manso- man's sinfulness, he was in control of his creation. It's such a reassuring thing when it seems like our churches are falling apart or it mm-hmm. seems like our families are falling apart or it seems like life just isn't going the way that we wanted or intended on it to go. Is that it's probably a good thing it's not going the way intended because if it was going the way we intended, it's most likely not the way that God had planned. And where our faith is in God's sovereignty and God's control of all things. And that even if it seems like, because even in, you know, we're about to read about this fall and it's like the whole world turned upside down in this fall of man. And when Adam and Eve took of the fruit and ate it, it didn't, it didn't just ruin their lives, but it changed all of creation. And in our lives, when it seems like the whole world has falling apart around us that we can understand and know that God is still in control that he is still on the throne. He will always be on the throne and he is always reigning. And because he is always reigning, he is the one in control of the ministries that we are involved in. And so we trust him in that. And we hold on to him in that no matter what. Now, to be an encouragement, that is so much easier said than being done most of the sure. time. Yeah. Uh, but that's what we have to hold on
1: to.
2: Yeah. And uh, as we go ahead and move on to the next point, it goes on to say that, through the temptation of Satan, man transgressed the command of God and fell from his original innocence, whereby his posterity inherited a nature and an environment inclined towards sin. Mm. Therefore, as soon as they are capable of moral, moral action, they become transgressors and are under
1: condemnation. So, <laughs> It's so thick. I mean, you you said it at the beginning, James. It's just, it is so dense. Every statement is just absolutely packed full of things that that need to be boiled down a little bit.
0: Well, I think, I think we have to start with this first portion of the sentence says through the temptation of Satan, man transgressed the commands of God. And I think this is something that's happened and I, I, I may sound like a negative person, which is probably natural for me, but I think through our history of teaching children, the, the history of humanity we've downgraded what happened in the garden. We've painted this picture of all they did was took of the fruit, and because of that they sinned. But in all reality, when Adam and Eve took of that fruit and ate it, they were rebelling against God. They were saying, God, I know your command and you've told me to do this, but I think I know better than you. And so their pride led to their fall and their sin that went into the entire world as we've seen the rest of the statement. And so this wasn't just a small thing they did. They rebelled against God yeah. and they transgressed against him. And um, I, I, the reason why I want to focus on this is that when I, I think that this is a key part of the gospel is that the fact that man has sinned that man has fallen um, and that God is perfect. God is holy. He is He's because he's perfect, because he's holy, and because he's a just God, he has to punish the sinful men. And we have all transgressed against God. We have all sinned against him. And I think we have to understand this in our world today because our world believes that men are born inherently good rather than inherently evil. And mm-hmm. that's not true. And so we have to I I really think we have to push this a whole lot more than we do sometimes because we think that we're good people. We think we're good things. um, And I don't want to jump into this conversation, but that's like the question (laughs) of why does bad things happen to good people? But in all reality, there is no good people because sin has been given to all humans uh, through the the sin of Adam. And because it's been imputed to us, we are also sinful creatures. Um, And then I would add this is that so often we blame Adam and Eve for this. But in all reality, we would have done the same thing Adam and Eve did and possibly much quicker than they had.
1: Yeah, it's just easy to point the finger at them because they did it first. Uh, (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, the statement that I was thinking about is just simply that (laughs) when we look at this and when we think about this, what we're seeing is this was not just a man. Or a woman who sinned. This was the act of a race, of a human race. Yes, it does boil down to the two of them because it happened within their lives. But like you just said, James, this is imputed. Mm -hmm. Every single man feels the effects. I mean, my goodness, scripture shows us that even the earth is feeling the effects of the sins of man. Which so how they're... much more should man himself, who is directly guilty of this sin, be feeling those effects?
2: I think something else that I kind of want to add to this is this idea of the fall of man, where man transgressed through the temptation of Satan, and that brought about uh, a imputed sinfulness to all humanity, is this also should lead us to understand that the garden and the fall of man was an actual historical event you know there are uh christian uh, uh, evolutionists there are theistic evolutionists who who will argue for the the truthfulness of evolution what they believe to be the truthfulness of evolution but where they re, where it really kind of falls apart is this understanding of where sin came into the world like why do we need a redeemer why do we need jesus to come what's he redeeming too because what the christian evolutionist fails to point out is where man was perfect and sinless and where he fell and you have some who will say well god just created the world sinful," which is an issue if our perfect god created a sinful world right we, yeah. we understand sin in the context of we chose sin not god created sin And so I think this is a very important aspect that we need to emphasize is that this is a historical event. Adam and Eve were real people that really fell and really imputed sinfulness to the rest of the world. It was not an allegorical tale. It wasn't, you know, just kind of something to help people understand without knowing the the fullness of what happened. This actually happened.
1: Yeah, this is no parable
2: here. Exactly.
1: Um, and the other the other thing I was gonna add to that, guys, is just that even going back to the the previous statement we made, talking about man going from innocence to guilt, is that this whole portion of of this confession on man is that this is the most offensive part of the gospel.
0: Yeah.
1: The, it's easy to to swallow that God created us in his image and God created us out of love. It's easy to swallow that Jesus loves you. The difficult part here is that we don't deserve it. <laughs> the yeah. difficult part is that we're the ones who are guilty. We're the ones who who gave Jesus a reason to even come because of our sin. And so that's that's the the struggle here with this whole thing is that we can try to figure out how to break it down systematically. But the reality is, is that it, excuse my language, it sucks to have to accept that we're at fault.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's what's so hard
0: and I think that's why and I, I'm glad you said that because I was about to lead into this next statement I think that's why so many people have a pushback on Adam being their representative they mm-hmm. say you know I didn't sin in the garden I didn't do this um, but they have no issue receiving Christ being their representative right and if you're going to receive Christ as our, a representative that imputes righteousness unto us then yeah. you have to receive Adam as that I think Scripture is that clear when it says that there was two representatives, the first and the second Adam. The first one is the one that imputes sin, and the second Adam is the one that imputes righteousness. Mm -hmm. And that's where our hope lies, which I think is going to be a really good transition to us for us as we move through the statement where it says, only the grace of God can bring man into the holy fellowship, enable man to fulfill the creative purpose of God, that Christ is our only hope. Christ is our only hope out of this sin. And so we just looked at the imputation of sin through Adam and Eve, and now let's look at the imputation of righteousness from Christ. And so we see that Christ is our only hope. And I think that's why whenever we began this statement, the first thing I said was the last sentence kind of sums up the whole thing. And so let's read that sentence for you, and then we'll talk about that one briefly. It says, the sacredness of human personality is evident in that god created man in his own image and in and in that christ died for man therefore every person of every race possesses full dignity and is worthy of respect and christian love
1: i'm seeing the whole picture here that what we saw in the very beginning of this statement is that God created man in his image. Okay, so that's the highest value that we can possibly be ascribed is the image of God. All right, so we have infinite value in that that moment, in that point. We sinned against God and we devalued ourselves. We took ourselves out of that perfect picture, that perfect image that God created us in because of our rebellion against him. And yet in that, God restored us again through Christ coming to this earth and paying the price that we couldn't pay, making that sacrifice, being that perfect lamb sacrifice that we needed in order to be placed back into that perfect image, back into that, that priceless value that God ascribed to us at the very beginning. Um, And so like you said a minute ago, just kind of going back and echoing what you mentioned there, Um, that, yes, our sin was imputed by Adam, but our salvation is imputed by Christ. And if we are not able to to understand just how much God loves us through this statement that God made us, we sin, and then God restored us, man, we're not going to be able to see just how much God really loves us if we can't first see our need for that salvation, our need for that restoration. And so it's it's just really neat. When you're able to take a look at it, you're able to see the whole picture, just how beautiful God's love is and how beautiful this picture is of that he's painting through history, you know, and how God was able to weave this this redemption story from the moment that he created Adam and Eve to the moment that Christ died uh, and became that that imputed restorate restorative salvation for us those are some big words and it may not make sense but that's does that make sense what i'm trying to say there just when we're able to see the big picture it, it really paints a beautiful picture of grace and i believe it helps us to elevate our understanding of god even more when we see that
0: i think you're right on when you say that especially when you think of some scriptures second corinthians 5 17 through 21 says therefore if anyone is in christ he's a new creation the oldest pathway, behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their transgressions, uh, trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, that we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him be, to be slain who knew no sin that in him he, we might become the righteousness of God. And I think you hit the nail on the head earlier is that we we were creating the image of God to be image bearers of God. We mm-hmm. marred that image by sinning and in Christ bringing us back into reconciliation to God. We are now his image bearers again through Christ. And that's why in Second Corinthians, we see Paul saying that we are ambassadors for Christ, which is someone that is bearing the image of their master, their king, their ruler in a foreign land. And that's exactly what we are as humans. We're in a foreign land as image bearers of Christ.
2: Sojourners. And I'm going to take a quick second to look at the, the last part of this statement. So it's kind of on a different note. It says, therefore, every person of every race possesses full dignity is worthy of respect and Christian love. And kind of why I want to look at this is because I want us to understand that the reason we possess full dignity and are worthy of respect and Christian love is not because we're good people. The reason that uh, every person in the world has full dignity and is worthy of respect is because we are created in the image of God. We were created in his image and and by that creation in god's image that's what affords all people to be to be dignified to to be respected and you know i know i know i've kind of been attacking a few i guess modern philosophies of understanding but one i kind of want to talk about is is you know atheism uh does not have this and there's no like if, if your understanding is that we're all just kind of animals out here trying to uh, survive there is no true dignity there is no true respect that people are owed and that that's you know that, that's kind of the the foundation of our understanding of
1: of all people is because we are created in god's image absolutely well and, and i mean i guess to even simplify that down even more for our simple minded listeners similar to myself is that the world elevates man. Scripture elevates God. That's, that's the major difference. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's that's the um, big key there. If when we, we've got to take ourselves off of the throne in order to allow God through Christ to take his rightful place in our lives, on the throne of our lives. Whereas the world is saying, no man is king or queen or whatever you want it to be. And man is, it, we, we are who we want ourselves to be. It doesn't matter because I'm, I have free choice and that's it. That's all that matters to me.
0: Well, that's exactly what we see in the fall of man is the fall of man is more than just taking an idiot of the fruit. It was the pride of man saying that I am yeah. my own God. Yeah. And that's what Excellent. our society says today is that I am my own God. I can do with this life what I please. Yep. And we we even saw it in a few years back, the whole YOLO, you only live once <laughs> situation there. That's exactly what that whole statement was about, was you yeah. only live once. Let's live however we want. This is the only right. life we got. We are our own God, so we do That's what it. we want to do. That's um, it. Make the most yeah. out
1: of this life that you have now because this is all you got.
0: Yeah, but as believers, this is more of a transitional period yeah. that our true life begins once we leave this life. Yeah. But, well, our um, true
1: life begins once we surrender to Christ.
0: Well, yeah,
1: yeah. But. but it's lived out in its fullness when we live when we leave this life. But we do get to experience that eternal life even now. Yes, with the expectation of what is to come.
0: No doubt, no doubt. All right. Well, this has been the portion of man on the Baptist Faith and Message, and as we all three alluded to earlier, that this is so significant that we understand because this is really a huge part of the gospel. Because if we don't understand or depravity and sinfulness then we cannot truly understand our need for christ mm-hmm. and so i want to encourage the listeners if you're southern baptist to go back read through it reflect on it thank you through it and possibly even take your church through it but if you're not southern baptist read the statement for yourself look at it look at the scriptural explanations and see where we as southern baptists drive this statement from and as we move into the plugs of the week i actually don't have any plug and so i want to see what you two guys have
1: I'll, I'll go first actually i've really only got one plug and it doesn't have anything directly to do it kind of indirectly does but there is an awesome website that i stumbled upon a couple of weeks ago that I, i've been wanting to share with folks and so i just thought this would be a good opportunity it's a website that's called OneForIsrael.org, and really what this website focuses on is um, evangelism to the Jewish race. and there is an awesome link on this website that you can go to that it's called I Met Messiah and it's about Jewish testimonies and it's all these different Jewish believers who follow Christ um, who sit down and share their story. If you're familiar with with the I am second testimonies uh, that, that I am second does, it's very similar to that, pretty well the same setup where you have a, a person sitting in a chair sharing their testimony. And I got sucked in last week, guys, where I, I watched this for probably like two to two and a half hours. It did nothing but just watch one video after the next. And they were incredible testimonies of different men and women who are Jewish and who, through different stories in their life, came to meet Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If you know anything about the Jewish race, you know that that's, that's just an amazing thing when, when people who are Jewish— come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So I encourage you go check out that website, oneforisrael.org, uh, and go listen to or go watch some of those testimonies. I'm telling you, they are so encouraging and you will learn a ton um, about what modern day Jews believe, what they're taught within Orthodox uh, Jewish faith. And, and it's it's enlightening, it's encouraging. And I think if nothing else, it might even give you an opportunity if you ever encounter a Jew, uh, how to how to witness specifically to a jewish person so i just thought it was awesome and i I wanted to encourage our listeners to go check that out
2: yeah so i too have a plug of the week that is not related to our episode whatsoever (laughs) so uh if any of our listeners out there are kind of um into apologetics defending the faith anything of that such and something that i've kind of increasingly got into is is how to defend our understandings of the faith is i actually want to recommend a a podcast slash website for you all to check out. And I'm going to go ahead and put this uh, caveat out there. It's a Reformed Baptist website, which is how I personally identify theologically as Reformed Baptist in the Southern Baptist Convention. But I think for all people, this is a very, all Christians, this is a very good resource. And that is um, Alpha and Omega Ministries by dr james white and the podcast is the dividing line uh dr james white also does that it's it's a very uh very good podcast to kind of begin to understanding uh apologetics because he is actually one of the very few professional like career apologetic christians that we we see nowadays it's not a very common profession but that is something that he's really spent his life life's work actually if you listen to his story he said he knew like when he was like 16 that he was going to spend his entire life defending the faith so in a in a professional sense so that's my plugs of the week If anyone else wants to have anything he may be one of the original James Whites out there,
0: <laughs> but I have a head full of hair better than his. <laughs> um,
1: Just because you have a head full of hair doesn't mean it's better.
0: Well, guys, thanks for the plugs. Obviously, I didn't have any this week, so that's my fault, but that's all right. I think the listeners can spend all day either watching uh, these amazing videos that Je- Daniel mentioned of the transformation of Christ in the Jewish community as well as some apologetic videos by Dr. James White. And he actually he's really big in apologetics in the Muslim world. So you yes. kind of get two uh, well, sides. He,
2: of- he has two primary, I would say opposing faiths that he focuses on, which is Islam and Mormonism. The, the, he has tons of material on those two faiths that are outside of what we would consider Orthodox Christian faiths.
0: Awesome. So go look at those two websites. Y'all can learn more about and how to defend your faith against Orthodox Jewish Individuals, as well as Muslims and Mormons. Well, this has been the Everyday Ministry Podcast. We're a podcast where everyday ministers gather to discuss everyday ministry.
1: If you're encouraged by what you hear, please go like our Facebook page, share the episodes, and rate the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget that a new episode drops every first and third Mondays. Our prayer is that these episodes are an encouragement to you and that you would be faithful in the ministry that God has placed you in. my background bounce too. Start kicking, screen Gotta get it.